Today we are reviewing episode six of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. And if episode four made me sad, uh, this episode makes me pretty mad. Let's get into it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. And this is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And before we dive into this episode, honey, is there anything you would like to say? Um, nope. Let's just get right into this. Get that anger out. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one got to me. So as always, you know, as we get through these episodes, well, I'll say like, subscribe, follow, jump on the Discord, share us with a friend, support us on Patreon. Why not when you're at it? So as always, you know, we're trying to not give a whole lot of spoilers in these episodes. We're not going to try to like dig through each and every little point in here. We're just trying to give our opinion on the big issues that we saw or that we heard addressed in this episode. Mm -hmm. So like all episodes up until now, you know, this episode was a great listen, really, mm -hmm. as much as it made me angry. It was still, you know, jam packed full of information. And we encourage you to give it a listen. Give it a second listen. if you. Let's do it the first time. After you hear what we have to mm -hmm. say, maybe go back and give it another listen and see if we were off base or not. And then when you're done, come jump on social media and comment. Let us know where we're wrong or where we're right, where we have some agreement or disagreement. We'd love to hear from you guys. So there's a lot of views you can look. I can imagine. Yeah. So this episode was very eye-opening for me. You know, up until now, I've had my disagreements with the podcast that we've talked about in all of our episode reviews. Uh, but I was kind of open to the points that they were making, and I kind of wanted to see where they were going to go with this. This episode, though, I think changed it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, it sort of made me mad, but it was just very, like, Ooh, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to come around to seeing their way of things on this. We'll see how the next six episodes go, but you see a little pattern in the kind of people they have speaking. Yeah, definitely. You, like we just kind of picked up on that and like, all right, let's look into pay attention to these people speaking and, and that's what we're going to focus on this yes. one. And that was the thing. The first big point in this episode, and really there's kind of two episodes or two points that they address really. And the first one was the rise of sort of Mark Driscoll through the digital media in like the early 2000s. And then the second point they touch on later was um, his sort of joining the young, restless, reformed movement, as they call it, kind of in the second half of the episode. So both points got me a little bit heated. So... Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter which one we start with. So we're just going to go ahead and start from the beginning and kind of work our way through. And the beginning sort of starts with two interviews. And the first one is with a guy named Brian Zug. And the second one is with a guy named Jesse Bryan. So I have less of a problem with Brian Zug. Not too big of a problem. I do have a little bit of a problem that we'll touch on later. Uh, but he wasn't as important, I don't think, as Jesse Bryan. I think he was, for me, he was a huge problem in this episode. Jesse. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. the... So just to be clear, kind of like through episode six, Christianity Today, and this was one of the big reasons that we've had issues with this, and we want to tell you guys to be 
wary of who they're interviewing. Mm-hmm. Up through episode six, as far as I understand it, this is the third atheist mm-hmm. that they've interviewed to sort of critique Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. Oh, it's not even that they're an atheist. There's someone who was claiming they were in the faith and now they're not. And I think that's worse than just someone who never was part of the church or part yeah, of the faith so at all. In episode two, I think it was the Jessica Jones girl, I think it was her name. She was a self-proclaimed atheist. This Jesse Bryan guy that they interview a lot in this episode, I don't believe he ever says that he really came back to the faith. He sort of lost right. it as a young kid, and he never mentions that he came back. And then the third one is Joshua Harris, very well-known sort of pastor that fell away from the church. He's interviewed in this as well. So that's three atheists that are prominent critiquers of Mars Hill in this. And as we've said before, when we get into the pattern of starting to let atheists and non-Christians critique us and tell us how the church should or shouldn't be run, Mm -hmm. we're in a pretty bad spot. And I want to say, personally, like shame on Christianity today for letting these people have such a platform to sort of denounce Christianity and our failings. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, you know, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that at all. And I think Christianity today should know better, but I think this speaks a lot to sort of their religious leanings. Right. I think a lot of these they're, atheists might be more in line with Christianity today's religious views than yes. the actual Christians, Yeah, in our opinion. So this story of Jesse, and I think it's a cautionary tale. When I heard this, really for anybody that's going into ministry, or really just any endeavor that you're getting into, business, whatever it happens to be. And the verse that jumped out to me a lot, because I've been reading it myself personally through things I'm going through, is Psalms 1-1, where he talks about, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Because this Jesse Bryan dude is 100% a scoffer. Mm -hmm. And probably a sinner. I mean, if he's not saved, he's not a Christian, he's a sinner. We're all sinners, but he's an unrepentant sinner. And a scoffer. Well, I noticed the big thing he said that made me mad because he talks about how his mom, you know, he raised him in the church. And, you know, she sounds like someone who put her foot down. You know, he sounds like a rebellious, he was a rebellious kid is what he makes it sound out. And and he kind of brings her up and, you know, in this way where he's like, oh, mom, poor mom. She, she tried her best. As in, you know, she tried her best to raise him in the church. So he's kind of saying it in a mocking way, like, oh, mom tried, but she failed. And I'm like, oh, this guy, like, this is the kind of guy he is. Like, you can come on here and talk about your mom that way and put her down. Like, that's the guy you want on Christianity Today to critique the church. He sounds like a pretty, definitely disrespectful in that to his mom. But he's pretty disrespectful to most people that he talks, especially Mark Driscoll. Yeah, The way he talks about him, almost like he's kind of a a clown that he was able to just sort of take advantage of. Yeah, he, like, makes fun of Mark, like, the whatever he wore. He's like, he looked like a guy that I just, one of those guys in high school that I just didn't like. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that have anything to do? definitely a scoffer. And not somebody a Christian should be spending their time around, as we will see as this goes through. So, in my opinion... And this might be contrary to most people's opinions, but I feel that Mark Driscoll, especially after listening to this episode, I feel like his message was stolen or stolen 
and sabotaged mm-hmm. more so than kind of lost because of his personal failings. Mm-hmm. I think it was stolen or sabotaged. And just to be clear, like every man, every woman, they're guilty and responsible for their own sins. You know, nobody can make you sin, right? Those are decisions that you have to make on your own. We're all accountable for our own sins. You can't shift the blame. I'm not saying that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of blame shifting. Yeah, I mean, this. most everybody else in this is shifting their blame yeah. onto Mark Driscoll. Yes. And Christianity Today is just giving them that platform. Yep. But with that said, I think Jesse Bryan, and specifically Jesse Bryan, um, is responsible for sort of sabotaging this message of Mark Driscoll. And then you sort of tie them together with this Brian Zug guy. And then you throw that on top of what we've already talked about, these awful, toxic elders and pastors that are around Mark Driscoll. And like, it's no wonder that his church crumbled and his, you know, it all fell apart. He was surrounded by scoffers, sinners, toxic leaders. And you brought up how they want to complain that he was crude, but, you know, Spencer said the people who are, they're interviewing on the show, they're swearing, you know, they're just talking very disrespectful and, but then they're judging Mark for the way he delivered his message and was a little crude, but. Yeah, that drives me nuts. They're like, oh, he was this crass and crude guy. And then there's been like four or five different episodes where the people they bring on are making fun of Mark. They're Mm -hmm. using curse words. They use curse. They Mm -hmm. curse about Mark in every opening episode of this, right? When you listen to it, Mark got fired for being a bleep hole. Yeah. Like Like, that's got to be on there. They're like, how dare this guy be crude? And then let me go and make fun of him and call him curse words. Like, is anybody else hearing this? So definitely. Yeah, these people, I'm not a fan, a lot of the people they're bringing on to critique this. So the story with Jesse Bryan, as it kind of goes and they talk about here, he sort of tells a story of how he came to know Mark Driscoll. And he was basically, he kind of says he was a kid that like disliked church. You know, he kind of mocked his mom who wanted him to be going to church with her and stuff like that. He goes on, I guess, to be like a video director in the early 2000s, becomes somewhat influential, I suppose. He kind of makes it sound like in Apple starting to put videos on iPods, iPods, yeah, um, kind of in the early 2000s when that was kicking off. So kind of a big shift in the way that we digested media in this country. And then he somehow gets introduced to Mark Driscoll in this church. And then he sort of talks about how he met Mark Driscoll you know, early on. And what I thought was interesting, you know, he talks about how when he first got there, Mark was sort of like closed off from people. He had a lot of people in front of him that he had to get through to kind of get to Mark. And, you know, Mark was kind of goofy and all these different things that he kind of talks about. And then he explains that somehow he was able to break through and kind of get this one-on-one direct contact with Mark. And he makes the case that he basically drove Mark Driscoll to decide to be like the focal point of this ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about how early on when he first got there, that wasn't the case, right? Like they weren't really sure what the identity of this church was going to be, but he sort of had this media internet mindset and he basically drove Mark Driscoll to be the face. He's like apologizing for, for doing that. Like he did something terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I sounds like he did, right? Like this wasn't Mark's, idea and they even make the case that right. Mark Driscoll at this time didn't really have a plan for what the church was going to look like. 
Like he didn't have some roadmap that I need to get on the internet and I need to blow up and become a worldwide sensation. That I wasn't his think, plan. Yeah, that wasn't. That was this this guy. That was but Jesse's plan. This guy plan. sort of drove him there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I thought after listening to this episode, you know, it kind of left me with a few thoughts. And the first one is I don't think Mark Driscoll is like the leader that Christianity today tries to make him out to be. And I think this is really common in today's society. Like anybody that's famous or rich, you know, sports stars, politicians, every single, you know, Fortune 500 CEO in the country, we're like, that's a leader. But I don't think that, like, I think true leaders are very few and far between. Mm -hmm. And I think Mark, from what we've listened to, he had a lot of character flaws, narcissism. Sure, maybe they keep saying that. I guess if you say it enough, it's true. You know, egotism, whatever it happens to be. But I think after this episode, he's way more of a follower than a leader because mm -hmm. he allowed all these people to come in and basically steer him and his ministry. Yeah, down he trusted these roads. them in their role that they wanted to take on. So, you know, this Jesse guy, he took advantage. And like he said, he was using all this um, media equipment like more than what they needed. And then Mark would always just say, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever we need. So he trusted Jesse, but Jesse took advantage and used a lot of money, but you know, Mark trusted that that's maybe we need it. If, if Jesse says we need it, then sure. I trust him. So we, yeah, I don't want that to be lost in this episode that Jesse essentially milked Mars Hill out of a fortune. Mm-hmm for all this media equipment that he even claims that like we didn't need nobody even had but who but suggested it he he's did. like yeah you know what they they give it to me so i just took yeah. it like yep. are you kidding me man like you're not the good guy in this story uh like christianity today makes it yeah. out to be and then even this brian zug guy who comes on early on he's the first person to suggest putting a mars hill sermon on the internet in an mp3 and he sort of steers mark into this online presence which mark had never done before and didn't even right. know about right they so put him there Mar yeah brian zug and jesse bryan essentially drive mark onto the internet and becoming this media personality and then they go god can you believe he was so full of himself and just wanted to be online and this internet like worldwide sensation like no dude you did that to him like yes he went along with it and he's guilty of that but you're not alleviated of your guilt from steering this guy mm -hmm. in this direction. And that's why right. I think he's such a follower. I mean, you know, obviously he, he's not a complete follower. You know, I'm sure he had a lot of say and input, yeah. but you can see how these people are sort of steering Mark in this direction mm -hmm. that he goes. And it's leading him to like lean into his worst tendencies. If someone is a narcissist, yeah. don't give him a platform to showcase themselves all the time. Right. If you knew he was, and I can see looking back on other episodes now where they're like, Oh, he was just firing people who disagreed with him. But if there were these kind of people on there trying to kind of take over and saying, this is what we're going to do with the ministry. It might just be too much work, too much money, just too much more distraction. Like it can be used, but like not everything all at once like that. And it's, you're just putting all this, knowledge in this area you don't know about into someone else's hands to handle this whole other aspect of the ministry. And he wasn't familiar with that, that part of it. And no, and he obviously wasn't ready for it. And that yeah. was what I, 
from this first half of, half of the episode, when it was focusing on Jesse Bryan, I came away with it and I was like, these people essentially preyed on Mark Driscoll's worst personality traits to the point where they drove and pushed him um, to become a, the man that would ultimately collapse Mars Hill. And mm-hmm. I think these men essentially stole the gospel and the message that Mark Drill, or Driscoll was delivering that these, even these early episodes were telling you was life-changing for so many people. Mm-hmm. And these guys essentially hijacked it. Yeah. And they stole the car and swerved it into a ditch. And now here they are going, ah, can you believe that guy let us drive the car into the ditch? I can see now why Mark would say something, you know, when him and his wife were praying about it and like, yeah, and they, they said God said there's been a trap set and all that, and they made point. him out to be a paranoid. Um, I know they use another word, but maybe he wasn't paranoid, and this stuff all is true. Yeah, maybe at the end, Mark actually sat back and went, "Huh, they've been hijacking this thing from the start, and like now we're so far down the road that we forgot where we even came from." Yeah. So, you know, if this church was still standing, they would be on there boasting. I did this for the church, but now that it collapsed, they're like, oh, I don't want to believe what he let me get away with. And right, right. It made me think of a saying that we tell our kids all the time. I'm not sure they listened yet, but, (laughs) and I'm sure you've heard plenty in your life, but it's the show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think that's so fitting with Mark Driscoll because he surrounded himself with godless people like this uh, Jesse Bryan toxic, weak leaders like his elders, and they ultimately led to the undoing and downfall of his church and ministry, in my opinion. Sure, he I mean, he has to shoulder a lot of that blame himself yeah. as well. It's not all on him, though. But the way this show is portrayed, like all these people are just as guilty as him, but Christianity today is giving up, serving them up a perfect platform to alleviate all their guilt and just dump it all on Mark Driscoll. It's really terrible. I like, I'm nervous to like listen to I think it's shameful all the other episodes coming. Today. It is. I just. And that goes more into the second point. So they sort of lead in this second half um, where they start talking about kind of where Mark Driscoll turned in his theology, is what they kind of say, where he sort of turned into this reformed theology. And we're not trying to get lost on like the merits of reformed theology or not. That's a talk for a different day. And, but what we want to talk about is just the way that Christianity today presented it. Mm-hmm. Um, the host, Mike or Mark Cosper, whatever his name is, he talks about it kind of saying like, Hey, at the turn of the century, there was this new movement that was starting to brew and he's like, at the same time that the emergent church and postmodernism was starting to take root, and then this new movement came about, and it started to gain steam, and he even mentions that it was a strange mix of denominations and theology. And the strange movement he's talking about is the Young Restless Reform movement. And what I thought was so fascinating about it is sort of the way that he almost is like putting them as like a competing view that sort of took away from this emerging church postmodernism. And I just find that so fascinating because the strange movement, the ungodly movement, in my opinion, is the emerging mm-hmm. church postmodernism, not the reform movement. You may not agree entirely with reform theology, but reform theology is not trying to mix in LGBTQ, right. critical race theory, all these sorts of things. That's the emerging church, that's postmodernism. 
you know. The emergent church is pretty new. Reformed theology is. Um, yeah, they're going back. Way back. To the original kind of thing. <laughs> so I just thought the way that they sort of introduced that, it's almost like, and maybe this is just because of the way that we see Christianity today. I think that they are a very, because if you do that, we'll just did a quick Wikipedia search of emerging church. And one of the lines in there is they say the emerging church has evolved into progressive Christianity, mm-hmm. which is largely unchristian Christianity. It's not, yeah. It's liberalism. It's progressivism, postmodernism. Yeah. And we think that's a lot of Christianity today's leanings. Christianity today, like we said, is Christianity today. Yeah. Not so real Christianity I think at us all. Feeling that way about Christianity, and you may disagree. When we hear them say these things, we already think. So that could be our bias that Christianity today is a progressive Christian organization. So when we hear it, they're like, oh, they're trying to kind of guide you into thinking that there is this like weird young restless reformed. And then they attach it to this Driscoll guy that they've been telling you for six episodes is a monster. And you're like, ooh, that reformed theology is for all the Mark Driscolls of the world. And you're like, hold on a second. like I don't think they're the bad guy in this story. Uh, let's focus a little bit more on that postmodernism that's ruining the American Christianity today. Yeah. So that was kind of the second big point. We just wanted you to be aware of that. I think the first half of this episode and this Jesse Bryan character was way more important. And I think shame on Christianity today for giving him this platform because he even says, and it's, it's embarrassing almost at the end of the episode. So they're done doing everything. And Jesse Bryan comes back on and he's sharing this story. And it's almost like they're sharing it, trying to make Mark Driscoll seem like this glory hog. They're in Libya, whatever, and they're going and and he's like, oh man, he took us on this shoot and it was all day long and we're lumping around all this super heavy video equipment (laughs) and it's hot and doing all these crazy shoots. And he's like complaining about it. And you're like, you're the one that told him to buy all this equipment, right? You're the one that put in his mind that he needed to do all these. And now here you are going, oh man, he's making us go out and do all the stuff I told him to do. And then he (laughs) complains because Driscoll like goes to this resort with him and his family. And he makes the videographers go back to this, you know, old motel. Did he make them though? Uh, I'm sure they're adults. They can stay where they want. Well, I'm sure that their point is that Driscoll could have brought them with him and like, paid more money for this Jesse Bryan guy. Cause yeah, he tries to like paint himself the victim. Like, Oh, we had to go and do all this super hard work and heavy equipment in the hot sun. Yeah, dude, you are the one that told him to do that in the first place. You're the one that told him to buy all this equipment. He didn't know anything about it. Like you got to go to Libya. That's kind of cool. Like who cares where you're staying? Yeah. I think this Jesse Bryan dude is a bad guy for the church. Um, He proved to be a bad guy for Mars Hill. So as we get ready to wrap this episode up, honey, is there anything else you would like to say? Well, yeah, when I was listening to the episode again, just to kind of, I don't know, make sure I didn't forget any details. They, in the middle of the episode, they have this psychologist and spiritual abuse expert on. And I realized they didn't even like say that she was um, commenting about Mars Hill at all. It's just very random. They're just like, here's Diane so-and-so. And that's it. Like, I don't even think she knows about Mars Hill, probably. It's just really odd. It's like, yeah, she comes on and she says something that's like not even 
in line with what the rest of the episode is. No. And she's somehow tying like spiritual abuse and like a spiritual fatherhood to abuse. It is Lucy. I think they don't believe that someone can be a spiritual uh, father figure because they have these clips of Mark um, talking about the burden, the father burden for those in the church. And that's, that's good. He should feel that way. That's a loving um, emotion. And then right after they play all these clips where Mark, right after Mark's talking about um, how he wants to care for the church in that way, she gets on and she says, everyone wants a spiritual daddy, but we already have one, you know, he's in heaven. So it's like implying like, we shouldn't look to anybody on earth for spiritual guidance or to, you know, watch out for us, which is what Mark was all about, like getting after people like, you know, like all the ones where he's screaming, like, how dare you? Like, that's how a dad would talk to a son if he really screwed up. And they make note in the earlier episodes that Mark had a huge passion for being like the father of this church Mm -hmm. and these people, even at a young age. So this was definitely something in line with his ministry. Yeah, but she makes out like, and I, I still don't think it's about anything to do with Mars Hill. Another thing she said, when the leader comes and tries to get them to stay, they feel like maybe it will, it will be better. And so they stay, but they're so worn down. Like, so there's no instances in past episodes on uh, the Mars Hill um, podcast where Mark is begging people to stay because he, they talked about how he had no problem getting rid of people who didn't agree with the vision of the church. Like he was bragging about how many people he had to fire. So why would this psychologist be talking about um, begging people to stay, but they're so worn out. There's nothing about him doing that. So that's why another reason I don't agree I don't think that she's even addressing Mars Hill. I think they just got some random clip of the psychologist talking about spiritual abuse in churches, but it has nothing to do with Mars Hill or Mark. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's just kind of added in out of nowhere. Yeah. It doesn't seem to fit the rest of the episode. And like I said, she doesn't even make note of Mark Driscoll or Mars Hill or anything. So right. I don't know. Christianity Today might have just had that lane in reserve and just needed to find somewhere to stick it in, but it didn't seem to fit here. So. Very odd. So we agree that you should have a spiritual, even if you have an earthly father, it's okay to have a spiritual father that's not God. Like you can call them your your pastor, your shepherd. Like if you, I know you're not supposed to call them father, but you, it's okay. It's biblical to have somebody above you guiding you. If you're young in the faith, you need to look up to somebody more mature in the faith. That is the whole thing Mark was talking about. Call him a father or a spiritual father or whatever, a mentor, your pastor, same thing. So she's like speaking against this. So in essence is Christianity today also against it. So they don't believe in accountability. And I don't know. I don't know where they're really going with that. Yeah. It was an odd, odd thing to throw in there. So we sort of just dismissed it. But the last thing that I want to end on is again, just sort of mentioning that, we're not saying anybody's alleviated their sins. We've all committed them. We're guilty of them. They're our responsibility to bear, you know, but you can definitely be aided, led down a certain path by others that will feed into your sort of worst traits. So 
You mm-hmm. definitely need to be aware of the company that you keep. And that's why we just, especially for people in the ministry, Psalms 1-1 should be on your heart, on your mind, in your prayers constantly so that you know the people that you're around, that you're allowing around you to keep mm-hmm. you on that narrow path. Because it seems like Mark Driscoll brought a bunch of people in that were more than willing to lead him down the wide path. And that's a shame. And it seemed to have crushed a wonderful ministry. Mm-hmm. And we don't think that is necessarily all Mark Driscoll's fault as they seem to be making out in right. this show. So we are looking forward to what episode seven has <laughs> to say. Our our outlook has definitely changed dramatically and we'll be interested to see where this goes. So make sure you guys mm-hmm. stick around with us. We'd love to hear from you, see what you thought about these episodes, but mm-hmm. that's all we got for you guys today. God bless. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association.